0: Before we get started, let's uh, let's pray here. Lord, we, uh, we're just so amazed by you, God, and, and uh, we come here uh, fully for you, Lord. Everything that we do here today is for you, God. We surrender this time to you, and we focus on you and what you have, uh, what you desire to speak into our hearts today, God. Uh, we just open up our hearts to you, we open up our minds to you, Lord, and I surrender my voice to you, and whatever it is that you want to happen here today, God, we give you um, um, we give you full reign to make it happen, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um if you guys have been here at all over the past uh month, um you probably recognize that there's been a little bit of a an awakening, I would say, that's happened in a lot of our young people. And um it wasn't like one of those like gentle awakenings where like uh, God lays down next to you and like combs your hair and says, It's time to get up, sweetie. It was it was more like God like dumping a, like a bucket of cold water on your face and turning like some heavy metal up and st- standing on your head head banging you know what I mean and you kind of like wake up in this like oh my gosh what do you like what do you want from me uh, I'm here and that's how I felt like over the past month it's just kind of like oh my gosh God I don't like I don't actually know what to do here just tell me I'm okay. I'm awake I'm here and I told the teenagers a few weeks ago that it, I feel like over the past um, few years that, um, at least in our ministry uh, upstairs and in the teens, we have, um, scattered seeds and and we've kind of, um, scattered seeds and 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 done a lot of seed scattering and always expected that like someday we were going to see like this little leaf pop up and we were going to be like, Oh my gosh, he's doing it. Look at that leaf. And we were going to, like, celebrate the little leaf. And instead, what happened was we were scattering seeds and scattering seeds. And then, boom, we were, like, in the middle of a rainforest. And and I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this. So I'm going to need some help here. But uh, so when Pastor Jeff asked me to speak um, this week, I wasn't actually on schedule to speak this month. But um, Pastor Jeff asked me to speak. And I, I was like, I know what's going on here. Pastor Jeff is asking me to explain what the heck is going on here. Right? <laughs> Clue us in on what the heck is happening, because everybody sees a bunch of teenagers up here uh, really filled with the Holy Spirit and ministering to people and praying and, and worshiping freely, but um, um, maybe don't know exactly what all is happening with us. So um, that's what I'm here to do today. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening. And first I'm going to sum it
1: up in one word, and that word is glory. Welcome to glory. glory. That's what we're
0: experiencing here. We're not A few weeks ago, right after we had that really wild Sunday, right after the, the uh, weekend that we spent at the ramp, um, I was preparing my, my message for the teenagers and I, and I started to write down um, just the things that we've seen happen just in the past few months here. And as I was writing this stuff down, God is just blowing my mind because seeing it on paper is just like, Whoa, like, amazing. I was like, I, I've been preparing for a spiritual flood, but then I'm like writing this down and I'm realizing we're like waist deep and the water's rising, you know what I mean? Like, we're in this thing. And um, I'm just going to share with you, I'm going to map this out for you just so that you could see what I'm seeing here. Um, back in November, we had our first uh, belonging conference. And I, I really believe that the belonging conference, which was for, for young girls only, um, was God's way of raising the bar for Abundant Life Fellowship. Um, he was raising our standards. Because um, here at Abundant Life Fellowship, we do the little things really well. Um, we do family really well. And uh, we do all of the little things really, really well. Um, but, but God was saying that I'll be faithful in the big things too. And he's calling us, Abundant Life Fellowship, as a as a unit, he's calling us as a body to be willing to step into the big things too to desire to the big things, to pray for the big things, and to do the big things. He's calling us um, into the big things. That doesn't mean he's calling us out of the little things. It means that he's calling us just into the big things, to be willing to step into the big things. And I really felt like what we've seen in the belonging was God saying, I will be faithful in the big things just as I'm faithful in the little things. And I promise you, God is not intimidated by your big thought or your big prayer. God, who spoke the sun out of his mouth, is not intimidated by your impossible anything. He is not intimidated. It is easy for him to do the big things as it is for him to do the little things. There is no difference to him. He speaks it out of his mouth, and it is. And I promise you, he's not intimidated by absolutely anything. So then after the belonging in December of uh, 2019, we had our lock-in. And I talked a little bit about this when I spoke about it a month ago. It, our lockins are really crazy, and we have eighty five young people there and um, in the middle of this lock in at i don 't know if it was like one in the morning i don 't remember what time it was it was late. Um, this uh, small group of teenagers kind of just ended up in this um, posture of worship. they just were worshiping, and it 's chaos all around us, except these young people are just in this um, in this time of worship and God has been really using that one single moment to teach me a lot of things. Um, so shortly after, after the lock-in, God, uh, uh, had, I had this revelatory moment at night as I'm, as I'm laying in bed and I'm just not able to sleep because I feel like God is pouring into my spirit, this thing. And I talked about this a month ago. Um, but what God was pouring into my spirit is that we, he is bringing this spiritual outpouring. We need to become new wineskins ready to prepare to receive his new wine and, um, I texted Pastor Jeff and Pastor Mark the next day and I kind of gave them, um, a rundown of what I had experienced, this revelation that God had placed on my heart and my mind, um, that night before. And the one thing that I said in this, uh, in this text that I sent to both of them was that this thing that God is bringing to us is this new explosive flourishing worship, which is a really weird collection of words to put together. But that's what I said in this text message. That there's this explosive, flourishing worship that is coming. That is the new wine that we're preparing to receive. So um, the next week after that, Pastor Ben spoke, and he spoke, he, he read some um prophetic words that had been spoken over us in the past, and he said that when this happens, when this hits, you're not going to question it. You're going to know that this is that. This is that thing. The week after that, I spoke, and we and we talked about this. Uh, revelatory moment that I had in this thing that God had put in my heart and in my mind about becoming new wineskin and how we should be um, intentionally preparing to receive this new thing that God is, is bringing to us and that he's speaking into us. And I specifically said in that message that we are very pregnant with spiritual outpouring. We're very pregnant with spiritual outpouring. We've seen signs to say that we're very um, pregnant with spiritual outpouring, that it's coming. Um, that Wednesday after I spoke, this is some stuff that you guys uh, might not know, that Wednesday after I spoke, we had our Wednesday Bible study, and um, it wasn't our plan, but for whatever reason, God had spoken in my heart that we should actually just pray for individually these young people, and which we did, but what kind of led me into that, and, and God spoke it in my heart, and I told them this, the reason that we're praying for them individually is because we're coming to a time where they're not just going to be able to come and sit, my friend, um, Pastor Doug Wampler, says we're not you're going to be able to just come and sit and get. You're not just going to be able to come and just sit and get. You're going to be an active part of ministry. You're going to be an active part of praying for people, ministering to people. Um, you're, you're going to be an active part of service, serving in this body. We're coming to a time where you're going to be forced into being an active part of this, called into being an active part of this. That was, that was a Wednesday after. That weekend... Was the ramp weekend, and I, I don't know even how to put it into words because there's not there's literally not words that I could that, that I could give you to describe what happened um, when we all went to the ramp. It was it's this conference that was in Victory, Coitsville and it blew my mind. The transformation that I could stand up here all day and just talk about the transformation that happened individually in each one of these people that were there. M- mind blowing, complete transformation, darkness to light transformation. Totally, totally new people. So they came back here on Sunday after that two-day um, conference. They came back here on Sunday and they were ready to run. Um, I mean, they, they came here prepared to worship, um, prepared to pray for people. Whatever it was, they were ready to go and they were ready to run. And what happened that Sunday was just this really wild service that you, you almost can't explain. We didn't even get into the message All that you can really describe it as is there's this worship that's basically being led through the teenagers' worship, and they're praying for people and ministering to people. And the things that we had spoken over them just days before, the reason that God had us pray for them is happening right before our eyes. And if there's one phrase that I could use to describe exactly what was happening that Sunday, it would probably be something like, explosive, flourishing worship, right? The same thing that God said He was going to do, same thing that He said He was going to bring, and, I, and so just let me just give you this 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 full wrap up. Oh, and one more thing that that happened. Um, as if like if you're still thinking well, coincidences happen, then Cheryl Hur comes in. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't have any idea who Cheryl Hur is. She she was here though. I Mark knows her. She doesn't come here, um, or or she. I mean, she hasn't heard any of our messages or anything like that. And she comes in with this prophetic corporate uh a word that is identical it was literally that we need to become new wineskins because god is bringing a new wine and it was like identical to the thing that that i had spoken just a few weeks before that it was like god had just come like one thing after another what's amazing is like god says um god says see what has happened with these teenagers And I'm bringing this spiritual outpouring that you're very pregnant with. And you need to be ready because when it hits, you're not going to say, is this that? You're going to say, this is that. And then it just happens. Literally, back-to-back weeks, this is happening like Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, one thing after another. God is saying he's going to do something and then he's doing it almost immediately after. There's no... Um, there's no time span, there's no time gap between saying and doing. God is saying He's gonna do it, and then we're saying, okay, we're gonna start getting ready, and boom, then it happens. Amazing. It was like, just really just blowing my mind as I was putting all this stuff on, on paper to see that like, um, that God is literally, and what's amazing on that Sunday after the ramp, um, Pastor Ben's up here, and he literally said, this is that. Which he had spoken two weeks before that literally one one thing after another what God is saying that he's going to do he's speaking into us and i'll be honest with you i struggle with um with with in terms of like those type of prophetic words that God speaks into me i don't always speak them out of my mouth because i struggle with okay god is this really you or is this just something that i'm that i'm hoping for and it's like here we are speaking these things out of our mouth and boom they are happening and happening almost immediately. And I was, I was preparing for, um, the message that I was going to give to the teenagers. That the following week after, I, I didn't, here's the crazy thing. I didn't even prepare a message. We were still s- supposed to go upstairs that Sunday after the ramp. I didn't even prepare a message. I literally just told Emma, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and we didn't, I didn't need to prepare a message because we didn't go upstairs. But, um, as I was preparing a message the following week and I'm writing all this stuff down and God is just blowing my mind of the fact that he is um, doing this; these things that we've spoken in an in immediate fashion. It's blowing my mind. I write this in my notebook, in my notes. I said, we are in a season of breakthrough. And here's the thing. I got a little corrected by the Holy Spirit on this. And do you know why I got corrected? The teenagers know why. Do you guys know why I got corrected on this? Because this is not a season. This is not a season of breakthrough. This is an eternity of breakthrough. Because God didn't intend for His glory to run in season. He intended for His glory to run in eternity. So what we're seeing happen in these teenagers is not something that's going to come and go and come and go. It's something that's here, and it's here permanently, and it's here forever. Let me read this scripture to you that's going to... Um, that help bring this into uh, context for you here. This is in 2 Corinthians. I know I'm, you're going to have to hang with me here, Jake, because I, yeah, you're good. You got it, man. I mixed up my my slides, mostly because I make my PowerPoint before I make my notes. I don't know why I do that, but whatever. And I didn't even put the full thing that I'm going to read on there. 2 um, Corinthians chapter uh, 3. I put uh, verses 12 through 18 up here, but I'm actually going to start in verse 4 in case you want to follow along with me here. And this is what it says. And we have such a trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory for even what was made glorious had no glory in respect because the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use this great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil has been taken away in Christ but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. For we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the spirit of the Lord. We are transformed from in the same image from one degree of glory glory to another. And that's what we are experiencing. We're just experiencing phase one of glory. That's what we're experiencing here as a body is phase one of glory. That's what these teenagers are experiencing is phase one of glory. And I promise you the next phase of glory is bigger than this phase. It's just going to, it's going to start happening and it's going to start coming and we're going to see some really crazy things happen because these young people have stepped in to glory. So this is not This is not, absolutely not, a season of
1: breakthrough. This is an eternity. This is a forever breakthrough. Let me get some water here. Because I'm just getting started. So, the question is, is, why does it seem as if God's
0: glory seems in our lives, sometimes, to run in seasons? It's a real question, because I'll be honest with you, there's been times in my life where I felt like, I don't know that I see God's glory. Maybe I'm waiting on it. You know what I mean? Why does it seem as if God's glory runs in seasons? And this is why it seems that way. Because we, as Christians, as humans, tend to tie God's glory and His nature to our circumstances. So when things are really, really great, it's so easy to see God's nature, right? When everything's going good, it's so easy to look and say, wow, God is good, and he does love me, and whoa, glory, you know what I mean? But when things aren't going so good, then we, we tend to say things like, well, I'm waiting on his goodness, and I'm waiting on his glory, and I'm waiting to feel his love. And the, and the thing is, is, our, is, God's glory is absolutely never, his nature is never tied to our circumstances, ever God's nature—he is good and glorious and loving—in our worst day as he is in our best day. He is always the same. I'm gonna—I'm just—I'm gonna tell you the story of uh, Job, and I'm not gonna read it because I gotta tell you the whole thing, and the whole thing is really long. Um, so, Job. Scripture says that Job was a good man. Um, he feared God and. He followed his commands. And uh, one day Satan's wandering around and, and God says, what are you doing? And Satan says, oh, you know me, just wandering around the earth and you know picking people off one by one. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? If you don't know the rest of the story, you're thinking God's kind of a jerk here, right? Job's just minding his own business, doing being a good guy. And here's God. He's not just giving Satan permission. He's the one that's actually initiating this thing. He's the one that says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a really good guy. And Satan's response is this. Job's Job's understanding of your nature is totally tied to his, his circumstances. If you let me take away, change his circumstances, and take away his blessings, I promise you he won't see your nature the same way. Essentially, that's what, that's what Satan says to God, if you let me change his circumstances, if you let me take away the the things that he has, the blessings that he has, I promise you he'll curse you because he won't see your nature anymore. He won't see your goodness, he won't see your glory, and he won't see your love anymore. So God says, go ahead, just don't kill him, which is nice of him. I mean, that's probably the first thing that Job wanted, honestly. Job's like, just kill me, but... But God's like, no, just don't kill him. You can do literally anything else to him. So, um, Satan totally wrecks Job's life. He kills his entire family. He, he takes away all of his livestock, kills his whole, all of his livestock, um, and burns his fields, which is essentially his wealth, takes away everything. And, and then Job breaks out and boils. And Job sits in his misery, in pain, broke, and and miserable, alone, and he start. He, the only thing he has is his his few uh, miserable friends, who are also telling him how horrible of a person he is. And um, Job is is telling his friends constantly, you know, if I could just talk to God, I would be able to talk to him, and I would ask him why he's doing this to me because I don't I don't deserve this. I'm a good guy. I haven't done anything bad. I'm a good person. And so finally, well on down the road here, God shows up. And this is the cool thing about when God shows up. Job has spent, I don't even know how many chapters in the book of Job, asking questions, saying, when I see God, I'm going to have some questions for him. And then God shows up. And you know what God says? Now I got questions, and you got answers. And I don't accept anything other than the truth, your answers right now. Isn't that what God's presence will do to us? Doesn't it force our self-reflection? The, the pure holiness of God shows up and we think like, "Ah, oh, I got some questions for God because I haven't done nothing to deserve this. And then God's presence shows up and we realize, oh my goodness, he is good all the time and I need to look at myself and figure out what's unholy in me. I need to see what's unholy in me. I, you know what's pretty cool is we've seen some of this in the teenagers because after we left the ramp... Um, um, they would be. They would be saying stuff like, "Oh, you know, there's some things in my life that I got to get out of my life." And it wasn't because somebody stood on stage and gave them a sales pitch on why they had to get them out of uh, get that stuff out of their life. It was because they stepped into His holiness and forced self reflection and looked at, at the things of their life and said, "Okay, there's some things that I got to change because I want to stay here." So, um, so finally, God shows up and He starts demanding answers from Job. And this is what Job says. in in Job forty two five, this verse has been ringing in my head over and over again for the past month. He said, "I had heard of you with my hearing ear, but now my eye sees you." God's presence, God's presence shows up on, on on the scene, and Job said, "I had heard of you with my hearing ear, but now my eye sees you." And he doesn't mean I'm physically looking at you. He he means I had heard of you before, and I followed your commandments, and I feared you because I had heard of you. But now I perceive you. Now I know you. And, and there's, a, there, there's something really cool in this scripture because, because Job's second half of his life, scripturally, was better than the first. So Job was wildly blessed in the first half of his life, but scripture says the second half of his life was better than the first. What's really cool about the, the scripture of Job, and I, I, I realize this as I'm going through, um, going through my study in here, is that, is that the whole story of Job is really this prophetic image of the Old and the New Covenant. I'm going to give you one example here to to draw this into alignment for you. When Solomon built the temple, he built the temple in two two sections. There was the outer courts, and then there was the inner courts. Um, The outer courts was where anybody could come. Anybody would come and do their worshiping, their prayer in the outer courts. They would conduct their religious activities in the outer courts. Only the priests were allowed in the inner courts. Within the inner courts, there was this place called the Holy of Holies, and it was this small little section in the middle of the inner courts, and that's where God's presence was. And and only if, when the priests had cleansed themselves could they go into the Holy of Holies, into into the middle of God's presence, and, 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 and enjoy God's presence, make requests or whatever it is that they're doing in there. But, so when you look at Job, Job's, um, beginning of his life is, is somewhat like conducting our, um, our activities in the outer courts. The beginning of his life, he was a good man, right? That's where God, that's where he lived. He lived in the outer courts. But then he came into confrontation with God's presence. Just as, just as the temple came into confrontation with God's presence. Confrontation with Jesus Christ dying on a cross. And what happened is, God, invited us into the inner courts. So the scripture says that when Jesus died on a cross, the earth shook and the veil tore from top to bottom. The veil within the inner courts, which separated God's presence from everybody else. What it is, is it's a free invitation for us to walk into God's presence. Invitation, this is an important word. It's a free invitation. It doesn't mean that God kicks it in your door and comes barging into your heart. It means that he gives you an invitation to come close to him. Sometimes we get that backwards, the veil tore, and God just automatically, we all get, you know, filled with Jesus. That's not the way this works. God gave us a free invitation into his presence. Job's second half of his life was better than the first. There's something that happens in confrontation with God's presence. There's something that happens in confrontation with his holiness, where we self-reflect, and then we start to walk in the spirit, as the scripture says, when we walk in the spirit and not as slaves to sin anymore, what happens in the inner courts is God hands us a key to our freedom and says, do with it what you want. Do with it what you want. So when you see these kids and all these people that have experienced God's presence dancing up here, it's because God handed them a key and said, hey, do with it what you want. Master key, unlock any chains that you have hanging on you. You could leave them all here, and you can go do whatever you want. And what happened was the kids started unlocking their chains, and then they come here, and, and what you see is this freedom, this new freedom, because they had spent time in the presence of God. So what happens? What happens when we, um, when we start to live as inner court Christians? I'm going to tell you this is going to get you pumped up. I'm telling you, I'm pumped up. This is this is this is this is amazing. So, uh when when we were at the ramp, the very last session, which is really cool because I think this is prophetic action, a lot of the parents started showing up. Um, the last session was free. The teens had been there for 2 days, and then a lot of the parents sh- started showing up for the very last session um, of of the ramp. And um Karen Wheaton, she's the leader of the ramp, she was speaking on, uh, on sometimes our hope becomes exhausting, if that makes sense. So sometimes we have prayed for somebody for so long and have seen no change at all, and that can become exhausting. Our hope can become exhausted in that. And she gave an invitation for people to come forward who had been praying for people and had become exhausted with hope to reinstill that fire, to refuel that fire of hope in their lives for that for that person. And my man Isaac's back here, and he might be the first person to stand up, and he turned around and his parents had come for the last session. He pointed at his parents and pointed at Ellen and he said, Let's go. And they were going up front for for their for his brother and their son Jake.
1: I me need some water here for this one. Yeah, Mike, We'll see how it goes. It might take me it might take me three hours to get through this. So they were going up
0: front for their for his brother Jake. And uh so then we come we left and, and we came back and that Wednesday after we uh we wanted to turn that back wall uh, of our of our refinery which is a chalkboard wall we wanted to turn it into a prayer wall so we, we, we cleaned it and we wrote prayer wall at the top and we wrote in big letters we will see victory and we started putting names on that board names of people that we want to see encounter God's presence but not just people that we want to see come to church that's not what this is about it's not about growing abundant life this is about growing heaven and, and we started putting people's names on that board that we wanted to see them experience an encounter with God and, um, and and Isaac, one of the first names that, that goes on the board is Jake Ricketts, right at the bottom. Uh, he wrote it big, too. You're not going to miss it on that board. If you're going to pray for that board, you're going to see Jacob Ricketts' name on that board. Because it is the biggest one right at the bottom. And I encourage the teens that um, when we're putting names on the board, don't be afraid to text these people or call them and tell them. Their name is on our prayer board and that we are praying for them. I know that sounds awkward, but it don't matter. We don't know what's going to happen, but they're going to know that we're praying for them. So um, Preston texts Jake and says, hey man, I just want to let you know your name's on a prayer board and there's a lot of people that are praying for you. And Jake texts me and I didn't know that Preston had texted him. Jake just texted me and said, hey, I heard that my name's on a prayer board. And I was like, your name's on a prayer board. And I said, I talked to your brother a little bit about you this weekend and um, and he really loves you. That's all I said. He really loves you, man. And um, he said, you know, I've been struggling so much and for me to get a text to say that there's people even thinking about me is really just overwhelming to me. I can't believe that people are thinking about me. And uh, so last Wednesday, we... Uh, invited the teenagers to fast with us, and we were going to fast from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We would come back and break fast Sunday morning breakfast here. And so we uh, invited them to fast with us, and some of them fasted from food, some of them fasted from video games, and the point was is that they would replace things in their life that would normally take up their time with Jesus. And they would war in prayer for those people on that wall. And we said, we said this, we said, we are declaring an all out war on everything that holds those people back from Jesus on that wall. And so we started fasting, and um, and uh, Isaac
1: texts his brother and he says, I'm warning in prayer for you and I'm fasting for you. And then Jake calls me on Saturday morning. And he said, You know, I man, I've been struggling so much. And Jake
0: uh he lives in Akron. And, um he uh he's going to school to be a paramedic firefighter and, and and he uh is working in that field and he said, You have no idea of the amount of evil that I see on a daily basis. I mean he said, you know, I I say literally, I I watch people die every day. And um he said, you know, they train us on this and they say that you're supposed to go home and you have to find ways to decompress because it's like putting drops in a cup and eventually that cup is going to be so full it's going to overflow you have to find ways to drain that you have to find ways to decompress and he said you know I just uh I just have struggled so much because I w- cuz I thought I believed in God but then you start seeing all this evil and it's like how could God be and allow stuff like this to happen on a daily basis he would see that and he, and he was determined that that this this could not be God. There is no way in the world that, that he, could, he could rationally um, believe in God and still see the stuff that he's seeing. He could not do it. So he pushed away God and, and he pushed away his family. He said he was scared to go home because his mom would look right through his mask and know he is struggling. And he said he said that, uh, that uh, you know, he said, he, he He was determined that he was going to do this alone that he could do this by himself. he would be just fine, he could do this by himself, he didn't need nobody, he didn't need God, he would do this by himself, and he started to become depressed and and very depressed and 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 he was really, really struggling and then, in his lowest
1: of lows, he starts getting text messages from people saying that we are fasting and praying for you. I'm going to need Isaac to finish this. Can you finish this for me? <laughs> so, he said, he sat there the, the day
0: before. The, I'm talking to him on Saturday. I was on the phone with him for an hour. He said, I was sitting there on Friday and I'm just thinking about all this stuff and, and 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 realizing that, you know, I thought I had a relationship with Jesus when I was younger that I had kind of walked away from. And I realized that I really never did have a relationship with Jesus until Now,
1: And Jake, we didn't have to drive him to the ramp to experience God's presence. All we had to do was pray for him. And what's amazing is this what happens when we start living in the inner courts.
0: What happens when Isaac starts living in the inner courts? He starts going
1: into God and, and into the inner courts and And to God's feet, and he said, I'm not leaving here until my brother's here with me. Boy, this is a tough one. In a good way, this is a tough one.
0: And what happens when Isaac does that is God starts rolling up his sleeves and he says, all right, how about now? How about we go now? How about we go get him now? And here Jake is, sitting in his room, rededicating his life to Jesus for the first time because Isaac would not leave Jesus' feet until he had his brother there with him. (laughs) Jake called me on Tuesday then. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I spent all day yesterday praying. I felt like I was all day long all I did was talk to God. No matter what I was doing, I was praying for everybody. I prayed for a guy because he was wearing he wasn't wearing a reflective vest and I prayed that people would be able to see him and that he would eventually get a reflective vest. Yeah. He said I just prayed about everything and prayed prayed about prayed for everyone. And then I'm sitting there at night on Monday night and I get a text from my brother and he says he says God just want me to tell you that you're a prayer warrior. And he was like what? Because Jake told me on Saturday, the one thing that he struggled with was when he first started in this gig, he would pray to God and he would be like, I don't see anything happening. and I don't even think God is hearing my prayers. And here he is on Monday, spending all day in prayer and his brother texts him later and said, oh yeah, God hears you. And he, he hears you. And you know what else happened on Monday? That same day where he's spending all day in prayer and his brother's texting him later and telling him that he hears him. He had eight trauma patients come in. That's a lot. Okay. He had eight trauma patients, guy gets shot in the head, one of them was, a guy gets shot in the head. Every single one of them left with a pulse. Every single one of them left Jake's hands with, with a heartbeat. And God was just saying, listen man, it may not always work like this, but we're gonna get this, we're gonna get this out of the way here and you can
1: trust that I hear you. What's cool is, <clears throat> I've been talking to Jake,
0: uh, well, I've been talking to him every day pretty much since then. And, uh, and he is, I mean, all he wants to talk about is what Jesus is doing. And he's actually, he's come, he works on Sundays, or else he would be here. Trust me, he wants to be here. He works on Sundays, but he's actually coming back on the 28th, um, which is Sunday. He had sh- was able to shuffle around one of his days so that he could come back so he could share with the teenagers what God has done in his life. But on on uh, on Friday, he uh, texted me. He said, um, "You know, I I feel like God is just telling me that I should do this, and I'm going to send you this thing. And if you could just read it to the church um, for me, that that would be good." And I was like, "That's probably a good idea because I'm not sure half the people are going to believe a word I'm saying." <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, we believe it. But I'm telling. I told Isaac. I told Isaac the day after um, I, I was talking to him, and I said, I don't know who I was talking to on the phone yesterday, but I ain't ever heard Jake talk like that in my life. This is what, this is what Jake said. He said, hi, church family. He addressed this to everybody. Hi, church family. I want to thank every, everyone for all the love and prayers for me. It has been an amazing feeling knowing that people love me and care so much, even though I grew so far from God. This journey has put me in a spot where I thought it would, there was no escape and no way anybody would even care for me. I wanted to say a special thanks to Preston for sending a random text of love to me. I feel like that kick-started a lot of this. FYI, I haven't talked to Preston in a very long time, and for him to text me out of the blue was so unexpected. I can truly say that I have seen what it's like without God, and I have seen true evil, but God put me here for a reason. God has given me a gift to relate to people I would have never thought I could relate to. I know I'm still going to have battles, but knowing that I have the love of others and God, all caps, God, has given me strength. I hope to see my church family soon. I love you all. This is good. Oh, and FYI, if you would have told me this was going to happen a couple of weeks ago, I would have asked you if you did any drugs in the past 24 hours. Because <laughs> that's some crazy stuff. That's what happens when we start living on the inner courts. That's what happens. We don't, we don't live in a, in a season of breakthrough, we live in an eternity, eternity of breakthrough. And I'll tell you what, you want to know something that's prophetic action? Every time we go up and look at that prayer, book, prayer wall, the biggest name on that wall is the one God has already answered. The biggest one on that wall. If you if you are doubting whether God will answer a prayer, you can look at that wall and know that the biggest name on that wall is the one that God has already answered, the one He has already delivered, the one He has already brought home, and it didn't take nothing for him. It wasn't hard for him. All it was is His presence. Isaac went into the inner courts and said, "I need my brother," and he said, "Let's go, let's go get him." Then, and that's what's going to start happening. I promise you, this is. This is the beginning of something. That's what's going to ha- start happening in this place. Because there's a lot more names on that wall. And some of you are sitting right in here today. There's a lot of names on that wall. And people who are sitting here today. And I'm here to tell you that God is coming for you. We are coming for you. We are. We don't accept Satan's hold on your life. We, we're, we're not praying that some people come Come home. We're praying that every single name on that board comes to an encounter, a confrontation with the holiness of God. And, and what we're doing, what we're going to do today, this is my, this is what I'm going to finish with here. We are, uh, we are inviting you into the inner courts. We are, we are inviting you to experience glory like we've experienced glory. We're inviting you in. Some of you might be sitting here today and thinking of this message and thinking, you know what, I probably have spent my life in the outer courts, trying to fulfill my duty as a Christian, trying to be like Job, live a, live a good life and, and be blessed. But God is saying, Ah, I'm calling you into the inner courts. I'm calling you into the inner courts and when you start stepping in the inner courts, you better expect some things around you are going to start to change. You better expect some people are going to look into your life and see Jesus. When I, when, before Jake ever had texted me, I told Isaac, he said, he came to me and he said, I want my brother back. And I said, Jesus is going to, that Jake is going to look at you and he is going to see Jesus in you and his life is never going to be the same. And God did it. And we are inviting you. If you feel like that's you, there's gonna be people up here to pray. There's a few teenagers. You guys come up here, Jake. You want I want you guys up here too. Um, there are people gonna be up here that are willing to pray for you. And um, any of you guys, any of you young people that want to pray for people, you guys come on up, man. They're willing to pray for you and are willing to uh um, um, pray for you to experience the encounter with Jesus that they have experienced. And we uh We've been kind of living by this, this one phrase in, in our youth group over the past month. And this is the phrase, if you want something different, do something different. If you want something different, do something different. Some of you sitting in your seat right now and you've been sitting in your seat for a long time hoping God is going to jump out of the clouds and smack you in the face. And I'm telling you this, if you want something different, do something different. Go ahead.
2: Okay, I want to talk to all the elderly people today. Last night I was awakened out of my dream. And uh, I went to sleep at 9.30. And at 12.30 I was wide awake. So I went to go and turn on the TV of um, Daystar. And what did I see on Daystar? It was the ramp. And I didn't know what ramp meant. I said, what are they talking about? Probably elderly people asking the same question. What are they talking about? So I, I almost turned the channel off and I said, no, I'm just going to sit here and watch it because I want to confirm what, uh, pastor said today. So I'm sitting there and there was a, a bunch of the young people like you guys up there dancing around the, t- dancing around the, uh, the platform. And I said, oh, this doesn't look good to me. Looks different. But had I not seen them that Sunday, see, I would have turned it off. So I saw them on that Sunday and I said, Oh, this looks like what they're talking about, the ramp. And then they showed Carol Wheaton. So I said, Oh, I heard that name before. She was talking about what was going on in in the new, uh, a new way is coming. And I thought, me? I'm so conservative, you have no idea. I lived the old covenant for 35 years. So this new covenant was real new to me. So God started the new covenant with me and the new wine, okay, 15 years now. But I'm still kind of back there, see? So a couple of weeks ago, Margaret and I asked for those young people to come pray for us because we wanted some of them. <laughs> and i believe we got some of them so i just want to tell you uh, older folks cuz i'm in my 70s older folks give it a chance like he said give it a try and come out and don't get stuck where we used to be cuz god is work uh, be- uh, he is uh, bringing up the benjamin generation this is the benjamin generation yeah, right, this is right. the younger generation and Pastor Joseph Prince was saying that for years. The Benjamin generation is coming. Well, look, at they're here. So I encourage you all, go ahead and go up there and just jump into that river. Jump into that river, and you'll get changed.
0: When, I, when Isaac went into the ramp, um, he said that God asked him three questions. And I think this is this is the question for every single one of us here today. He said, where are you now? Where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there? God is not going to pick you up and move you to where you want to be. That is up to you. And if you want something different today, then do something different today. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful that you love us, God. We're thankful for our brother Jake, who is back, God. Back in your will, back in your presence, God. We're thankful for the impact of people that he is going to have, Lord. The fact that he is now in the inner courts, God. The fact that the same thing that happened because Isaac walked into the, into the inner courts is going to happen because Jake walked into the inner courts, Lord. And we're praying that all these people, everybody in this room, starts to experience Jesus like we've experienced Jesus, We're praying that every single person in this room starts to walk into the inner courts. And when we walk into the inner courts, we live in an eternity, an eternity of breakthrough. Things are going to start to happen in us. Things are going to start to happen through us because we live on our knees at your feet, God. And we are not going to leave your feet, Lord, until we see the things that you put on our heart. Because you say that everything that we ask in your name, you will do. So we're not leaving until we see it, God. We believe that every single one of those people are going to experience your presence and that their life is never going to be the same. We pray that that the change that's happened in Jake is going to start to happen in every single other name on that wall upstairs. And if you're not on the the wall in here today, you're free and welcome to come up and receive from these young people. You're you're welcome to walk into the inner courts with them and and to start to see um, breakthrough in your life and breakthrough in the people's lives around you, Lord. We're thankful that you are a God of breakthrough all the time, by your nature, breakthrough. So, Lord, we just, we just give you freedom in your breakthrough, Lord. Break through us, Lord. Break through us. We want something different, God. We want something different, and we're willing to do something different, Lord. We love you for your goodness, and we love you for who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.